0: Okay, so this morning we're going to be speaking on a message entitled The Value of Your Voice. The Value of Your Voice. In Luke chapter 1, verse 67 through 75, the Word of God says, Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant. The covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have never been rest. I'm sorry, we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, God. We thank you for the gifts that you've given us. We thank you for the gift of our voice this morning, Lord, for we know that your word promises that our words have the power to speak life, that they have the power to build up, Lord, that they have the power to break chains, God. And I just pray this morning through your word that we understand the value of the gift of our voice that you've given us today, God. Lord, I pray that our words would be few, God, but true. I pray, Lord, that our words would be specific and direct, Lord, God. I pray, Lord, that that we don't allow any corrupt language to come out of our mouth. But let our words be edifying and glorifying to your name. We thank you this morning, God. Remove me as you step in. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. The value of your voice. You know, we've all got a voice this morning. God's given each of us the ability to speak. And there's even some people that are born with a condition called muteness. And if you don't know what muteness is, that's the inability to actually say words. You know, I used to have a... A friend who was deaf and the medical term, this isn't a a ridiculing term, is dumb, deaf and dumb. Dumb is a word that defines a person unable to speak. Uh, Now, the the negative word dumb comes from a mockery of that, because like this is an example. So my friend, she was deaf she doesn't know what her voice sounds like, but when she would try talking, because she would see us talking, she would like sound like, nah, 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 like like a voice like that. Now, she didn't know that's how her voice sounded. Now, we all loved her. We didn't, we didn't make fun of her nothing like that. We just, that's just how she was. She was like our age. You know, she was a homegirl from the block, but she just happened to be deaf and dumb. Amen. And, you know, we, we protected her, but a lot of people would always outside our circle would try to make fun of her. But but I, I knew then that, like, I had a value. I was like, man, I'm glad that I've I've got a voice that I know what I say and it can be heard. And depending on what I say is going to determine the result of where it lands. So yesterday we read about the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and to Joseph Today, we're going to look at the angel Gabriel coming to Zechariah. Now, there's a difference. Yesterday, Mary responded in faith. And as we read the story about Zechariah, his response was the opposite. His response was doubt. So before this portion, Zechariah was serving in the temple. And the the angel Gabriel appeared to him and told him that he would bear a child and that he would name the child John. John. Zechariah asked, how could they possibly have a child at their old age? Gabriel claims that he has come from the throne room of God. And because of his disbelief, he would be mute. He would be silenced until the birth of the child. How many of you guys are familiar with this story? Good, it's fresh, okay. So this, is a, this is a good story right here. because Because this man doubted and didn't believe in God, God did something crazy. He took his voice. He took his voice like the man couldn't speak. He used to be able to speak and he doubted God and he was no longer able to speak vocally. Now he was able to write stuff down and communicate and he was humbled. Amen. Our, our pride, when it goes before us, it causes us to stumble, it causes us to fall, it leads to destruction, even the destruction of our very own words and our voice. The time came to decide what to name the baby. And most of the family, because Jewish tradition, you would name your son after yourself. So his name being Zachariah, the, the people thought automatically, well, the child name will also be Zacharias. But, but the angel had given him specific direction when it came to the name When they came to Zechariah to ask him, what name should we name this child? After the child was born, he still couldn't speak. But you know what he did? He wrote down the name. And when they read the name, it was John. And at that moment, his voice came back and he was allowed to speak. He gave praise to the Lord and then began to speak in prophecy, which is where we're going to pick up our story right here. He had been benched in a sense. Right now, your season in the home, it's, it's like you're in the bench, you're on the bench. If you ever think of a, a basketball game, a, a football game, you got guys that are on the field, on the court, that are playing at the moment, and then you got the bench. Now, these guys aren't out the game, they're just, they're just on hold right now. When you guys come into the home, you're not out the game. You're on hold right now. You're on the bench. And, and as you begin to watch the players that are in the game and, and you see the, the scores and you see the, the, the plays that are being done, you begin to build up an anticipation of like, put me in, coach. Come on, coach. Let me get in the game. I, wa- I want to get in the game, too. Let, let, me, let me help lead some people. Let me help build up some people. I want to I run a home myself. And I want to run a street scene myself. I want to do a Bible study. I want to do a life group. And let me get in the game. And you guys are benched right now which is a good place to be. This one with being benched because worse than the bench is still being on the, on the free agency. That means you don't got a team yet, but you guys got a team this morning. You've chosen your team. You're on team Jesus. Amen. The same way that God awakened the ability to prophesy in Zechariah, I believe this morning, the same awakening is able to take place in each of your lives. Each of you have different gifts. Each of you have different talents that have become dormant. They become asleep, you know. I didn't know the talents that God had given me. I didn't. I didn't know my strengths, my my specialty. But today I know the talents God has given me because I've awakened, and they have become alive as I become awoke. Amen. So as we get into our text today, I want us to see the gift of the blessings that God has given us and His children. Compared to how he gave them to the people of Israel. Then the first point that I want to share with you guys, number one is the gift of fulfillment, the gift of fulfillment. So to be Holy Spirit filled, Zechariah had been forgiven of his unbelief and then filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we have the privilege today to be a vessel that the Holy Spirit would fill us up that the Holy spirit would pour into us. This outpouring gave him a supernatural ability. It was a covering of God's glory upon him that he would return and give God glory through his obedience. You know, it's our obedience that glorifies God. It's our walk that truly worships the Lord. When we live righteously, when we live in obedience, when we follow him, we bring honor to him. Our God is a God of redemption and the God of Redemption had redeemed Zacharias after he had doubted God. He was positioned by God to be used to fulfill the prophecy of the continuance of the legacy of King David, because the son that John would give birth to I mean that Zachariah would give birth to was John the Baptist who would lead the way for Jesus Christ to come in and operate in his ministry. See, true satisfaction only comes in God alone. How many of you guys try to find satisfaction out there in the world? Did you find it? Mm-mm. And if the sad thing is, in the home, if, if, you, if you follow the mistake that Zacharias did and begin to doubt God, guess what happens? That wonder of, is there really satisfaction outside of God? Maybe I can find pleasure away from the church. Maybe I can, I can find fulfillment in things because everybody else in the world appears to be happy. It looks like they're having a good time. They make it seem like they're all good without the church. And you know, this is why it's hard when people that have left the church and they come back and they, they wanna like put on this, this mask. No, I'm good, man. Got a great job, getting paid, got my own spot, got me a girl, got me a man, I'm good. It reminds me of uh, Nacho Liberty when he's lying and they're asking him, uh, you know, so do you, you know, how do you, how do you like, how do you like with the orphanage? He's like, it's great. I get to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning all by myself. And he's like lying though. You know, he's putting up a front like, come on, bro. You know, and these people come and, and, and it's funny because like a lot of times they want to flaunt in front of the home because they're like, see, I didn't need the home. I'm good without the home. I, I, don't need, I don't need all the rules. I don't need all the structure. And they put it on this front. I want you guys to be careful when you see people that appear to be doing good. Because though the outside might be all full of life, there's a lot of emptiness in here. There's a lot of death in here. The, the, the Lord Jesus said, the, those people are like a whitewashed tomb. They're all clean on the outside, but inside is death. Inside is decaying. It's just rotting away. Like, like I wonder once, once they put on their show and they go back to, to the life that they live out there, like, then What? Like, do they sit down like I showed them? That's right. They all know now I'm doing good. And then they just get all sad again. Like, I want you guys to be careful for that. Because true satisfaction can only be found in God. It can only be found serving God. It can only be found producing in God. I'm testimony today. I've I've tasted the goodness of God, and I've almost gone back to the world. But quickly, was I quickened to the understanding that there is no satisfaction away from God. It can only be found in God. Zechariah was being used to be a part in the preparation of the gospel that would lead the lost and the bound into salvation. Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. Offers salvation to those who believe that he is God. And he he has paid the price of the wages of our sins, past, present, and future. Our, our, Our wages are paid through Jesus Christ. Our sins have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. In this salvation, we are made righteous through the finished work at the cross. This salvation gives us an overflow, an abundance of blessings that he has given us as gifts. See, not only do we have salvation today, not only have you been set free, not only have you been delivered, not only have you been healed, but on top of all that, God has given each of us a gift. Isn't that something? Because to me, I just wanted to be sober and, and I would have given God my life just for that, just, just for no longer being a prisoner of sin, just for no longer being a slave to bondage. I was willing to give my, my life to the Lord just for that. But on top of that, he gave me a gift. And my gift, I really believe my gift is an equipping gift. I believe I have the gift to equip, to train, to prepare, to raise up, to, to see people go through a furnace that they go in one way, but they come out another way. That's the gift that God has given me. He's given me the gift of teaching. He's given me the gift of interpreting His word. He's given me the gift of allowing me to be a, a, a mediator so that His word can be broken down and digested by His people, by His students, by His disciples today. Do you know that each of you not only have a gift of life, but you have the gift of eternal life? On top of that, we each have unique individual gifts to be effective in building His kingdom. So not only do you have freedom today, not only do you have deliverance today, not only do you have healing, not only do you have eternal life, on top of all of that, God has given each of you a gift. Little does Brian know, does he, he's got this special gift. Everybody sees the light of Christ in Brian, because God has given him a unique gift. The gift that God, that God has given Brian, we don't have that, and that's fine, because we each have a gift that we bring to the table. Isaiah, what's your gift? Lay it on the table. Ray, what's your gift? Lay it on the table. Stephen, what's your gift? Lay it on the table. Elizabeth, what's your gift? Christina, Casey, what's your gift? As we all lay our gifts on the table, we've all brought a completion to the plan God has right here in North Phoenix. When we are redeemed, we receive the power from God as the Holy Spirit abides inside of us. It lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit filled inside of us. We are no longer bound by the strongholds that the enemy once had us restrained by, but we are set free and delivered. As Jesus Christ is a conqueror, we are able to daily have victory over our past demons, over our past chains, over our past bondages. This redemption is the evidence and fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Imagine what those like Zechariah, Isaiah, Micah, and others thought As God would speak these words of a future Savior through them. These guys didn't know that as they were prophesying over the nation of Israel, one day a Savior is going to come. One day a Messiah will be born. One day the Redeemer will be here. One day God is going to send one down that will build a new government. One day God will send one down that, that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against. I wonder when those prophets were speaking those words, if they knew the value of the voice that God had given them. I wonder if they understood that the promises that they were speaking, that one day they were going to come to fulfillment, that not only would the people of Israel be an inheritor of it, but the whole world. They didn't know that they were just speaking to one nation, but God was speaking through that one nation to the whole world. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 10 through 11. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great Glory afterward. You see, we're privileged today to be the after part of the story. But these people, when they were speaking these prophecies, were wondering, like, man, God just spoke through me that a savior would come to help our people. I, I wonder what they thought. Like, what? what would? When's the savior going to come? What's the savior going to look like? You know, where? where I, I want to see the people that he's going to heal. Here's the thing, because today God's going to give you all a similar word. God's going to give you promises to speak over other people. God's going to give you prophecy to speak over your own life. And you begin to develop an anticipation. I wonder what it's going to look like when all my family members are saved. I wonder when my my family's going to be delivered. I wonder when God's going to show up. I wonder when God's going to bring fulfillment to the promise He's given me. But hang fast and hold tight. Be a person of endurance. Be a person of stamina. Don't give up. Persevere because the the, the fulfillment of God is coming. In Luke chapter 1, I want to continue with our opening text. So first we see the gift of fulfillment. Know that God will fulfill what he prophesies, promises, or says he will do. The next gift that I want to look at, number two. If we look at Luke chapter 1, 76 through 77 says this. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. The first gift that God gives us is fulfillment. The second gift that God gives us is the gift of forgiveness. He sent John the Baptist to bring forgiveness to the world. That's why he was a repentance preacher. John the Baptist had this boldness. He didn't care who he offended with this message. He didn't care who did it, who did it, uh, uh, you know, like his message. All he knew was he was given a message of forgiveness that he would need to preach through repentance. Turn from your evil ways and repent today. Turn away from your life of sin and repent today. I don't like that, John. You offended me with your message. I don't care. You, you heard my feelings with your message. So what? Take action and deal with it. You are called to repent today because God has given you a gift of forgiveness. But you will not receive forgiveness unless you repent. And repentance is more than just saying, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry, Lord. I apologize for what I did. Walk off and go right back into sin. Repentance is saying, Lord, here's my old life. I lay it down as a sacrifice. I turn away from that life and I walk a completely opposite direction. I walk away from my addiction. I walk away from my anger. I walk away from my lust. I walk away from my greed. I walk away from my selfishness. That old man is behind me. I walk forward to the promise. I walk forward into freedom. I walk forward in the gift of forgiveness. See, the purpose of John the Baptist was to prepare the way to salvation. His message was to call the people of repentance to repentance And that they would follow the new way through Jesus Christ. John would preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Two things to know about salvation is first. It involves forgiveness. Second, it involves the narrow path. It's more than just the the apology prayer. We all get some. Be careful you don't get comfortable with weekly bringing your apology prayer to God. Because here's the thing. Ask yourself this. When you come to the altar, what I'm about to apologize for, what I'm about to ask forgiveness for, do I plan on going right back to it this week? Do I plan on on just, you know, going back on my word to God? Because the forgiveness is the first part. But the narrow path, that's the part that we live out. The narrow path is a path that only few will find. The narrow path is a path that is unpopular. It's the path that isn't accepted by the world today. It's actually frowned upon. Isn't it sad that a transgender or, or a LGBTQ community member can go into any school where our kids go to school at and teach their belief? Yet I, as a pastor, can't go to that same school and preach what I believe. So they're able to teach my kids this perverseness, but I can't teach the truth. And it's offensive if I come in. They say, oh, you can't be preaching that hate message. What? <laughs> <laughs> hate? <clears throat> my message is hate? Your message is wicked. Your message is evil. Your message indoctrinates the beliefs of my kid. He's my son. He's She's my daughter. I teach them. You don't teach my kids. Now... The same respect that they want from us. Don't we deserve the same back? Amen. Look, look, you can teach your kids what you want to teach them. No, no, I'll go check with that person just walked in. You can teach your kids what you want to teach them. Say, focus. But I'm going to teach my kids because that's my responsibility. Amen? And you guys have to understand that you've been given the gift of not only fulfillment, not only forgiveness, but purpose to lead the way. Zechariah was able to speak with so much excitement and joy because the prophecies were going to come to fulfillment during his lifetime and his own son John would be the one to pave the way for the Messiah Jesus Christ. This was a fulfillment of the promise of God to Abraham and his descendants that the world would be blessed. Remember we talked about that the other day. God promised Abraham through your Through your descendants, the world would be blessed. And this is the fulfillment that we're reading about. Many have doubted God. You know that Abraham and Zechariah have one thing in common. They were both told by God that they would bear child at old ages. At old ages, they were given child. It's almost like God could have told Zechariah, you have no excuse to lack faith. Because not only have I already done this exact same miracle before. But you are a man that studies my word. And you should already know this. Why would Zechariah doubt God? Well, he, he read the story. I'm sure he taught the story of Abraham. I'm sure he read the part that Abraham was also of old age. Why would Zechariah being a man of old age. That knew the word of God. That knew the promise of Abraham. Doubt what God was about to do. You know the same way that we wonder why he doubts God wonders why we doubt today. Because if anybody has no excuse, it's us. Because not only do we have one example in the Old Testament, not only do we have another example in the New Testament, we've even got examples in the church, in our own ministry. So it's almost like a triple whammy for us. It's three times worse for us. It might have been one time worse for Abraham. Cool, psh, smack, here's your, here's your discipline and correction, now move on. Not only was it a two-striker for Zechariah, Here's your discipline, you know, here's your correction and move on. But for us, we've got no excuse today, church. See, we see the examples in the old, we see the examples in the new, we see the examples in today. So for us to doubt God, it's inexcusable. There's no excuse that's going to justify doubting God. Abraham and Sarah doubted. Moses doubted that he could lead. The Israelites doubted that they could survive the wilderness. Gideon doubted that he could be used by God to lead the Israelites. Thomas later doubted that Jesus was even resurrected. He said, I won't believe it until I see it. Not even until I see it. Until I touch it. He said, I want to touch those holes. I want to touch the wounds. That's doubt. But God's grace, he loved, thank God. Thomas was loved by a gracious God. Because if it would have been Old Testament God, Thomas would have probably had his finger cut off. He ain't going to touch nothing anymore, brother. All the purposes of God are being fulfilled through people who were no different than you and I. Abraham started off as Abram, and he was known for his great faith in God. God blessed him and used him to be a blessing to the world. David was in that lineage, and through David, who was once a little shepherd boy, out tending the sheep of his family's flocks, was established the throne of which would birth Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus Christ, two young and poor Jews. Here we see Zechariah, another man who grew up just trying to survive but loving and trusting God through that journey. Zechariah is giving us a history lesson and then it lands on us today. 2022, the believers of the now generation, third wave of victory, Outreach International. We came from darkness spiritually. We were silent before Jesus came into our lives. This morning, I believe that some of you are going to have something to praise about. Some of you have a weapon of worship that has been idle or collecting dust. God has given you the gift of forgiveness. We need to turn away from our life and step into the new. 2023 is coming. Let the old you be done. Let the old you be dead and begin to step in. Step into the newness of your future. Step into the newness of your destiny. Step into the newness of your purpose. We need to follow that narrow road, that road of conviction, the road of reverence, the road of the fear of the Lord. Danny mentioned it last time when he was speaking. It talks about it in Proverbs. Wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. To have true wisdom is to have reverence. See, when you have reverence for God, it doesn't matter where you're at. Or who you're around. Because all you worry about. Is pleasing God. You could be around church people. It's easy to please God around church people. Because everybody is all church. But then when you get around some sinners. And you get around some unbelievers. And some people that are secular. It gets a little harder to please God. Because their conversation is in your conversation. Their vision is in your vision. Their culture is not our culture. And then worse after that. Is when you're by yourself. Because then there's no man to please. But God, does the wisdom of God through the fear keep us when we're by ourselves, when no one else is watching? See, we are the descendants, the inheritors, the dispossessors of the land all over the world. And the glory of honor of God will be magnified through us as we have a fear of him. He wants to remind you. He wants to revive you. He wants to breathe life into you. Your past is behind you. Your destiny waits ahead. Just like these people that we read about in the Bible who did great things for God, you can also be used to magnify His name. Don't let the enemy silence your voice. Don't lie to yourself that you aren't who God called you to be. Begin to believe in the limitless, in the impossible, and God will show up and show out in your life. Don't conform to the ways of the world, but stand out while everyone is blindly walking off the edge of the cliff. Be the one that walks boldly through the narrow path into your destination. We're not headed for the slaughter, we're walking in salvation. What I love about John when he begins to get older is that he was different. Amen. Well, John was different. John was a different, he didn't live where everyone lived. Where did he live? He lived in the wilderness. My brother was in the PJs. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he didn't dress like everyone dressed. How did he dress? He wore burlap. So while everybody's Got nice clothes on. My brother's coming through with, the, with the, that, that bag that you do the, the hop race with. That, what's that race? The three-out potato sack. Three out of that. Just, just rolling through with a potato sack. So he come from the PJs. He wear a potato sack. But he's bold because he's got a word. He's got a word of repentance. He don't care what people think. He don't care who gets offended. All he knows is he's called. All he knows is he's different. All he knows is he's unique. He didn't eat like everyone else ate. What did he eat? Locusts and honey. Locus and, huh, wild honey. Not just honey, huh, not good honey, not sore, but no. That brother was pulling out the beehive, like, ah. Probably had a couple bees in there. It was wild, like, I'm raw, bro. Bees are good too. He didn't preach like everyone preached. You see what I'm saying? We're not to be conformed by this world. Don't let the world tell you where you need to live. Don't let the world tell you what you need to look like. Don't let the world tell you how you need to speak. Don't let the world tell you what you need to eat. And don't let the world tell you what message you need to preach. All you need to learn is how to have an ear for God. God is going to tell you what to look like. God is going to tell you where to live. God is going to tell you what to eat. God is going to tell you what to dress like. He teaches us today what to wear, the armor of God. He teaches us to take off our grave clothes and to put on the clothes of salvation. Put on the clothes of righteousness. Put on the clothes of have been bleached by the blood of Jesus Christ that is no longer a attire of sin, but it is an attire of obedience. We need some modern day John the Baptist that are willing to live differently than the world. Some men and women that don't conform to the worldly ways, but are transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Some youth who don't feed off the things of death, but youth that are unashamed of God, that are willing to carry a Bible, that are willing to pray in public and be unashamed of the things of Christ. You're all potential leaders, and we need people that are going to speak the truth and not that false stuff, not that fake stuff, not that sugar-coated gospel. We don't customize this this command, and we don't beat around the bush. We keep it straight. We keep it brutal. We keep it raw. Player, come on, no stems, no seeds. Come on, y'all didn't like that mixed stuff in, in the world. What'd you used to do when you get a sack from somebody new? Hold on, man. What's in this? I didn't pay for this. Right? Come on. Y'all didn't settle for that stuff back then. Don't settle for it now. This is, this is it right here. It's raw, uncut, and pure. The best stuff. This is the good stuff. Don't add to it. Don't remove from it. It's good just the way it is. Genesis, the revelation, all of that. Amen. Your time is not to be wasted. We're here to help you understand God's plan and follow God's ways. The gift of forgiveness will release you to go forward and get all that God has for you. Now, the third gift that I want to give you guys this morning. If we go back to Luke chapter one, our opening text. We're going to pick it up at verse 78. Luke chapter one, verse 78 says. Because of God's tender mercy. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. John grew up and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. The third gift that God gives us through the value of our voice is the gift of freedom. We receive the gift of fulfillment. We receive the gift of freedom. I'm sorry, we, uh, the, the gift of forgiveness, and we receive the gift of freedom. Fulfillment, forgiveness, freedom are the gifts that God gives us. Mark 11, verse 23 says, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. See, there's there's an enemy in this verse. What do you identify from this verse as the enemy? Nope. Nope. Mark 11, 23. There's, read it. There's an enemy in there. I want you guys to identify it. Nope. Read the verse. Mark eleven twenty three. <laughs> There's an enemy. I just want you to identify the enemy. Mark eleven twenty-three. What is the opposition in that verse? Nope. What is it? Oh, hello, somebody finally. No. The mountain. Cause if you got a mountain in your way, does it not make your path a little bit harder? Okay, come on, people. <laughs> Do I even start the whole message all over again? <laughs> There's a mountain. See, what is your mountain this morning? Can I tell you what my mountains were? My mountains were purposelessness. My mountains were addiction. My mountains were lust. My mountain was pride. Because I never thought that I was going to finally make it over. I never thought that I would finally break my addiction. I never thought that I would finally be pure again. I never thought that I would finally have a sense of identity. That was a mountain that stood before me. Now here's your weapon. I want you to identify your mountain this morning because I'm preaching to you a message about the value of your voice. The verse says that you can say to this mountain. You can do what? You can say to it. So that means you've got a voice you got to speak to your mountain this morning. What is it that you're battling with today? Because you don't need to wait for a miracle. You don't need to wait for God to come down from the heaven in a chariot of fire with angels behind Him. The Bible says you can say to this mountain right now. Are you battling with pride? You can say to that mountain. Are you battling with anger? You can say to that mountain. Are you battling with hate? You can say to that mountain. You have a value in your voice to do some damage, to cause mountains to be lifted up, the Bible says. May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and what? It will happen. Oh, y'all ain't catching this. Oh, yeah. So you don't know that that weapon works. You don't, you don't know if that weapon is, is available to you. I'll read it again until you catch it. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. Here's the kicker. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. That's how powerful your words are today. What are the ingredients? Voice and faith. You got the voice already, but do you got the faith? Because this is the important part. Your mountain knows your voice. See, none of you could have spoken to my mountain of addiction. Why? Because that mountain required my voice. You all have mountains, and I'll pray for you. I'll I'll, I'll believe with you, but you know what? My voice can't move your mountain. Because your mountain is waiting for your voice. You have to be able to believe, you have to be able to have faith. You've got to believe that God has given you a value to the voice that you have today. That as you say the words that God gives you with boldness, that they will come to fulfillment. Zechariah had a mountain before him. His wife was unable to bear child. They were already in old age, but Gabriel came and said, thus saith the Lord. God revealed a mountain. Zechariah had a voice, but guess what he did? He didn't have faith. You see how it's coming in a full circle now? The mountain was there before Zechariah. Zechariah was a a man of God. He was a leader. He was a teacher. He was a preacher. He had voice. He saw the mountain, but did not have faith. And what did God do? Because of his doubt, took his voice. What mountain is it for you here this morning? Is it behavior? Is it emotional? Is it, is it mental? What's your mountain this morning? Is it jealousy, fear, hurt, or abandonment? See, I want you to, to listen to this reading from a book that I used to read. It was, it was a, the Python Spirit. It says this. The devil with his Python ways wants to choke out your breath and keep you from speaking to the mountains in your life So that you stay defeated. And of course he also uses the massive relational mountains. That can stand in your way. In relationships. Husband and wife. Sibling relationship. Parental relationship. Be careful in using words like never and always. You're never going to change. You're always going to be like that. Because what do those words have? Power. You speak that curse, you you might as well be dressed like Harry Potter carrying a little magic wand and and casting spells of cursing on people. Never. Always. No, man. I once was an addict, but I'll never be an addict again. I used to be lost, but I'm always going to be found today. You got to speak words of life. When we see things like that, we're speaking them into existence. The enemy wants you to think that you just have to accept it and it will never change or, or, or be able to, to shake it off. See, this last year was, was a year that I really look at the growth that God took place within my life. I, I, I'm grateful for everything that took place. I count it all joy like the Bible teaches me to. But, you know, here's where I could mess myself up. Because was I hurt this last year? Of course I was. Was I offended this last year? Of course I was. Did I battle with bitterness? Yes, I did. Did I battle with anger? Yes, I did. Did I battle with hate? Yes, I did. And if I were to carry those things into 2023, I would carry an injury that would not only hold me back, but it would hold back the church. You know, we were talking about the bench earlier. There's people that are on the bench that are healthy, and there's even people that are on the bench with injury. You know, there's a difference with those two types of players, and it's the uniform. The players that are ready to get in the game, they've got their uniform on, but the ones that are injured have taken their uniform off. So that means that in that moment, they're not available to be called upon, because they can't just say, hey man, go to just jump in there, we know that you're hurt. No, they don't even have the uniform on. When we carry an injury, we don't even have the uniform on. That means it's like, woo, well, whose team do you belong on? I know you're on the bench, but you're not, you don't look like the rest of us. You're, you're not in uniform like the rest of us. And this morning, as, as we get ready, okay, because you get the music going. I want you to ask yourself, because yes, you're on the bench this morning, but do you even got your uniform on? Are, are you with the movement? Are you with the team? Are you with the, our leader, our commander in chief, the Lord Jesus Christ? Injuries will hold you back. Every time you start to make progress, the enemy will try to lock you back down into that injury. And then it connects you back to your past because you begin to think about the old days. And as long as there is pain there, you are still trapped by the memory. See, but God has given us a gift of freedom that is right in our words, in our language. It's in our voice. In James chapter three, verse two, it says, indeed, we all make many mistakes For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. So what does that say? The inability that we have to control our tongues. We are imperfect people. We're not going to say all the right things. We're not always going to have the right answer. We're not always going to have the solution. Sorry to break your heart today, church. You're not always going to have the right answer. And you got to be willing to accept that. Mountains represent things that are so big and things that have been limiting your life for so long that the enemy wants you to think that they are permanent. If we would only be able to release the power of the voice that God has given us, we would find the freedom from these mountains to do so much more, to go further, to run stronger, to last longer. Some of our congregation this morning had to experience abuse, whether it be child through child abuse, verbal abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, or even sexual abuse. Remember, we're talking about mountains. These are things that people have to overcome. These are things that people got to have victory through. Mountains represent permanence. Something that in the natural doesn't go away. But thank God, he gives us a gift of freedom. He says, if you believe, I can do it. And if you're bold enough to talk to your mountain, then that thing will be leveled. It will be picked up and thrown into the sea. Our promise scripture says, I will level the mountains and make the crooked places straight. That's Isaiah 45, verse 2 and 3. I'm not trying to say that you're going to go, what you're going to go through isn't so bad or that, that, that you're weak for not being able to overcome it. I'm just saying you're going to need some faith. You're going to need some faith to overcome that mountain. We serve a God who says that he will move that Rocky Mountain Range, that Mount Everest, that Himalaya, that it can only be done through a miracle. It can only happen in a supernatural way. See, discouragement and doubt, you have no place and you have to go. Abuse and pain. You have to go in the name of Jesus Christ. Begin to start talking radical. When you pray prayers, start talking crazy in your prayers. Do you receive it and believe it this morning? God wants to set some captives free. But there's a requirement on your part. You need to believe and you need to speak the language of faith. Start speaking life. I'm free today. I'm delivered today. I'm healed today. Maybe you don't feel like you are, man. Speak it. Maybe it doesn't look like you are. Speak it. Maybe it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, you can't touch it yet, speak it. It's in your voice, it's in your words. With your voice, with your faith, before your mountain this morning, you can speak praise, you can speak worship. You know, when we speak these things in times of trouble, we can lift a cloud up to the sky. If you know anything about clouds or weather, that means that rain is on its way. We just experienced, you know, a, a rainy season a few weeks ago. But we're not talking about a physical rain this morning. When you lift your praises, you're beginning to create a cloud. When you worship in the midst of your trouble, when you worship in the midst of your trial, you're creating a cloud. And you know what that cloud does? The Holy Spirit begins to send rain down from your voice of faith. If we could all stand here this morning. I believe that there's some of you that are here this morning that might be in a situation similar to Zechariah. Spiritually, you're in a place of silence or even darkness. Sometimes we lose our voice. That once spoke boldly in faith. Maybe you came in and you were radical with your words. And something came along and took your voice. Maybe doubt came in your mind. And you lost your voice. We lose our voice that once praised God with gratitude. We lose our voice that once worshipped regardless of our situation. Are you listening to the voice of your pastor's messages? Do you have the same language that I speak this morning? The vision is still love. The vision is still God. The vision is still freedom, it's still forgiveness, it's still fulfillment. The language of faith, the language of prayer, the language of praise and worship. It shouldn't be your second language, it should be our first language. There's value to it. Zechariah wasn't just another guy in the synagogue. In verse 6 it says that he was a righteous man in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. He was a man who knew God, who was faithful, and as soon as he began to speak the language of doubt, that's when he lost it. And I want you guys to be careful because I was talking about that python earlier. We know that the devil represents a serpent. And if you think about how a serpent attacks its prey, it coils around it, right? Let's just say like a rabbit. A snake will wrap around a rabbit and, and, and it puts a hold on it. Now, now everybody do this real quick. I want you to take a deep breath. Hold, hold your chest and then take a deep breath. Okay, now, now if you were to exhale... Squeeze your chest even more. Can you inhale after that? No? It's harder. You can do that. See, what what the enemy does is he wraps himself around you. He starts to squeeze and he puts a hold on you. So the more breath you lose, the smaller your lung capacity becomes to inhale more air. And eventually, suffocation takes place. Now, God has given us power to break free from that suffocation. Because here's the thing about suffocation. When you start losing your breath, and I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, when you start losing the breath of life, when you you start losing that spirit of life, you begin to die. And you begin to die fast. So we need to be revived and understand the value of your voice. Your voice can speak fulfillment. Your voice can speak forgiveness. And your voice can speak freedom. Now, one, one more thing before we get ready. Last night, Danny was speaking... And one of his points was that we talk too much. And I really believe that's so true. So this morning, I, Stephen, I want you to participate in this too. Go ahead and put the pen down and the paper down. I want us to do some listening prayer. So as we get ready to spend time at these altars, you're, you're good to sit right there. But just, I want you guys to just listen to God. Listen to God. The symbol of prayer is this. Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. So right now, go ahead and turn the music up, Casey. Let's all take our place and just have a listening time with God this morning. Amen.